Welcome to this week's episode of Weekly Devotions with Pastor James. My name is James and so glad to have you with us today. Appreciate you tuning in and hitting the play button and listening as you're off doing things in your life, whether it's going out to, to work, grocery store, gym, cutting the grass. I don't have to worry about cutting the grass where I'm living. It's all brown. It's all dead. But uh, we do pray and hope that you're doing well if you're new. Uh Appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, Our aim here is to help you have a healthier walk with Jesus. And that's all we want to do is help encourage you, uh, maybe teach you. And we do that by giving weekly devotions uh, every Wednesday. We try to give out uh, weekly devotions, and they're usually 15 to 20 minutes long, uh, something for you to think about, meditate on, and hopefully it would be a blessing to you. And uh, this week... um, it's been a difficult week, a lot going on in uh, my life and the lives of those that I know and I love. And so a whole lot of going on. I don't know if you've ever been in a season like that where uh, life is just crazy, not just for you, but for other people. Um, and I don't mean COVID. We, we know COVID was uh, a beast in and of itself, but just in general, uh, I know a lot of people in in my family uh, just got stuff going on. It's like absolutely crazy. I know uh, other people in in that are friends. Uh, they have loved ones going through things, and it's just life gets hard. And I was thinking about what to share with you this week uh, to to help you and maybe just meet you where you are in that. And what I was thinking about was that faith is hard. Scripture calls us to live by faith, not by sight. And faith is hard. Um, the title of this week's episode is The Difficulty of Faith. And, and there is a, a difficulty in faith, and it's faith itself. Uh, and what I mean by that is so often we're, God calls us to do something or to go through something, and it is incredibly, incredibly difficult to do so. And one of the reasons it's difficult is because we don't know how things are going to go. We don't know how things are going to turn out. We're not even sure we're supposed to do it or how to do it. And and Scripture calls us to step out in faith and just follow Jesus. And it's like, oh, I, I just don't know if I could do that. And so I don't know, maybe you've been in that point. Maybe you are in that point where just following Jesus uh, right now is, is difficult. That faith is is hard. And people always have questions and you know, as, as a pastor, I've been asked questions, is the Bible real? What do you do with dinosaurs? And all these different things uh, along these lines. And when you really, when it comes down to it, just having that faith is hard sometimes. Um, I, I think of Peter when he got out of the boat and start, started walking on the waves and the waves started getting higher and Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and that's when he started to sink. And So often in our lives, life throws things at us and it causes us to get our eyes off of Jesus and and we struggle and faith is just hard. It is just difficult. And I was thinking about what to share with you on that. And uh, what came to my mind this week is actually a, a, a sermon that I preached this past Mother's Day that I'm going to share with you in, in just a moment. And if you just want to, um, it's going to be about 40 some minutes long. That's what I normally preach for. Uh, but if you just want to uh, skip through it or anything along those lines, uh, I, I think it would be a, a benefit to you, a blessing to you. And I'll just set the, the message up for you. And um, this past Mother's Day, I wanted to speak on mothers. And one of the mothers in Scripture that isn't talked about much is actually Moses's mom, Jochebed, or Jochebed, depending on how you want to pronounce that. And a lot of people don't know or really look at Jochebed and what she had to do and the faith that she had just to have Moses uh, in, the, in the culture and in the day. And it was difficulty. Um, and what I talk about in this message is that faith means that we need to give everything to Jesus because in Christ, God has given us everything. And that is where the difficulty of faith comes in, that we need to give everything over to Jesus. And that is hard. That is so hard to do, but that is what faith calls us to do. And so I'm going to, you know, transfer over into uh, this message that I preached a couple months back. And uh, if it is a blessing to you, I hope you let us know. And if you don't mind, 
you know, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and uh, we, we really, really appreciate it. And so uh, without further ado, um, here's a message that I preached on faith a couple months back that I think would be a blessing to you uh, in just light of, um, you know, life. Uh, so hopefully you enjoy. Bible, and hopefully you do. Uh, if you would uh, turn to Exodus chapter 2 this morning, uh, it might be a little bit different uh, area of scripture for Mother's Day, but Exodus chapter 2, we're going to be in the first 10 verses. Uh, we're going to read the, uh, those 10 verses in a couple minutes, so if you'd open up to Exodus chapter 2, uh, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer once again, and Father God, we thank you for this morning, and Father, we thank you for moms. We thank you for the faith that they live by and show to us. But Father, I also know that today is not a day that is easy for many. And so I pray that your hand would be upon them as well. Father, I pray that you'd meet them in the pain or the hurt that they may feel on this day. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would strengthen them, Lord. I pray that you'd meet them where they are. But Lord, this morning, as we look into your word, I pray that you'd meet all of us where we are, that you would help us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of who you are, but help us to walk by faith and to live by faith. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak into our hearts and that we would not just get puffed up on knowledge, but that we would work that out in our lives as you direct. So we give this time to you and ask that you'd work in our hearts and in our lives. I pray that you'd use me, that you'd say your words through me. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. And I, I used to only, I'm used to only saying that once because Bob usually tells you good morning in the first part, but it's in my notes and I have to say it. I say it every week to start the sermon off. Uh, it's really good to see you all this morning. Uh, once again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. And I always, every year, I always say this. Happy Mother's Day to uh, the moms that were moms, the kids that aren't theirs, if that makes sense. I know there's, been, there's a lot of women, they're like a second mom to a lot of other, other kids, and I, I just want to uh, throw that out to you as well. Happy Mother's Day to those that have been a mom in the life of a child, and uh, it, it is an incredible thing to uh, see. Um, now, I don't know if you've noticed this over the, the, let's see, I'll be here 16 years next month. Uh, I think, if my math is correct, right? Um, and I don't know if you've noticed this over the years. You probably didn't, but I'll, I'll let you in on a little thing anyways. I don't always do a sermon uh, directed at or about moms on Mother's Day. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, like when we spent like 14 years going through the Gospel of Luke, I didn't really stop and do uh, a special sermon on moms or about moms. And I really don't do that all that much on Father's Day either. And one of the reasons that is, is I know those days, Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, are days of hardship and pain for some. Uh, it is a painful day because of whatever reason. Uh, for some, they're not able to have children. Uh, for others, they may not be in a good place uh, relationship-wise with uh, their, their parent. Uh, maybe the pain of their passing is, is more prevalent on uh, a day like today. And so I don't always preach the quote-unquote typical sermon on a Mother's Day or a Father's Day because I know the pain that it causes for, for some. And I've talked to others about that, those feelings and those pains. And so I acknowledge that. And if that's you today, uh, just let me tell you this. I've been praying for you this week. Um, and I, I pray that you are encouraged in, in some way. Uh, but at the same time, this year, I felt the Lord leading me to actually uh, talk about moms or at least look at a mom this morning. Uh, moms do a lot for us, don't they? Um, you know, uh, no matter how your mom was, always did a lot for you. Uh, moms give a lot. I don't know if you noticed that. Men, you know, moms give a lot. Uh, they take a lot. Like, they, they take a lot. Moms sacrifice a lot. Uh, they do things that their kids have stories for for the next couple of decades. And mom, don't worry, I'm not saying any stories about you this morning. Uh, but it's one of the great things about moms. They give you stories that you can hold over their heads for like decades to come. Uh, and it, it's fantastic. And, and moms, I don't know if you know this, moms a lot of times meet us where we're at a lot, right? 
Like wherever we're at, that's where moms meet us. And so if we, if we need tough love, moms will give us tough love. If we need a hug, they'll give us a hug, right? Uh, you know, whatever the case may be. And in all of that, we see a picture of God. I don't know if you realize that. I think what happens a lot of times is because God portrays himself as father in the scriptures, we forget that men and women are created in the image of God. And that the traits and the characteristics that mark a woman, that mark a mother, are traits and characteristics that God himself has and he has imparted, given to, and put into a woman. You can read Isaiah chapter 66, you'll even say that God says he comforts his people like a mother. Like he actually takes a motherhood type quality and uses that about himself. And so in women, in moms, we see traits and characteristics from the Lord. And this morning we're going to take a look at a mom that I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on this lady before. If you've heard a sermon on this lady before, please let me know. I'm just curious, all right? Uh, we're going to take a look at a mom by the name of Jochebed or Jochebed, depending on how you want to pronounce it, Jochebed or Jochebed, either one is, is correct, I'm guessing. Um, you may know her as the mother of Moses, and that's who we're going to be taking a look at this morning. And she gives us a great picture of a mother's faith. And if you're not a mom today, guess what? The message still applies for you. Uh, it applies for all of us. And here's the great thing about this morning's message. If you don't like it, you have to blame my wife. Okay, uh, and here's why. Uh, Thursday, Thursday is the main day that I prep a, the sermon every week. Right? I start prepping it on Tuesday, uh, maybe Monday. Thursday is the main day. And Thursday I went home and I was eating lunch with Amy and I'm telling her, going, I have all these things going through my mind. We're going to talk about Jochebed. And she goes, oh, I love Jochebed. And so we're talking about her while I'm eating lunch. And I go, I have all these thoughts running through my mind and I, I just can't get them from here to here. Does that make sense? Like when you have something in your mind, you just can't get it out in a way for people to understand. And then Amy said something and I go, that's it. You got it, right? And so I took what Amy said and I tweaked it a little bit and added it to my, added something to it. And so if you don't like it, you have to blame my wife, right? And so this is what, what, we, what we're going to look at. Uh, what I want you to see this morning is this, and we're going to see this in Jacobin. Faith means giving everything to God because God has given us everything in Christ. Faith means giving everything to God because he's given us everything in Christ. Now let me get your mind working on this. What is everything? Everything is everything. So faith is giving everything to God. And so we're going to see that this morning, and I have three points for you. Three points are this, culture, faith, and carpenter, okay? I couldn't have a C word for faith. I tried, but uh, it just didn't work. So two C words and, and faith. So we got to start here. We got to start with the culture, all right? And we're not reading the scriptures yet. I got to set this up for you. You need to grab on what's taking place here in the book of Exodus. Because in order for you to see the faith that Jochebed has, you need to know what has taken place, what is taking place in Exodus chapter 2. Now, if you don't know, the book of Exodus is the second book of the Bible. And the Bible is made in one way. The first five books, the, the Pentateuch, the Torah, is the, the story of the nation of Israel, right? how they were formed, how they went into Egypt, how they've come out, how they get into the promised land and settle the promised land. And so it's a, it's a group of five books. Well, the book of Exodus is the second book of those five books. And the book of Exodus is all about the exodus of the nation of Israel. How many of you know what the word exodus means? It means exit, right? To leave, right? And so the book of Exodus is about the nation of Israel being in Egypt and them getting out of Egypt and starting their trek to the promised land. Now what has happened is this. At the end of the book of Genesis, the nation of Israel, which was really small, only about 70 people, went down into Egypt because of a great famine. And Joseph, one of the family members, 
He became second in command in Egypt. The only person greater in Egypt than Joseph was the Pharaoh. And so Joseph realizes that his brothers have come down and he does a whole bunch of different things and he gives them food and he messes with them a little bit because that's what brothers do, right? Long story short, he goes, Pharaoh goes, well, bring your family down. They can live here in Egypt and everything will be fine. We'll take care of them. And so the rest of Joseph's family, they move down into Egypt. Well, things are good. And then things take a turn for the worse. Because as we read in chapter 1 of Exodus, verses 8 to 10, there's a new pharaoh on the scene. There's a new king. And this guy, he knows nothing about Joseph. He doesn't know how Joseph provided for and saved the nation of Egypt from famine. He knows nothing about him. All he knows is these group of non-Egyptians, Israelites, their numbers are growing. They're becoming a nation sitting in Egypt, and he's afraid of them. And what he talks about in chapter 1 of the book of Exodus, he goes, he's talking to his leadership going, man, if we don't do something, they're going to become so large as a group that if anybody attacks us, they're going to side with them. And we'll just be overpowered. Or they're going to become so large themselves that they're going to take over Egypt from within. And so this is freaking the Pharaoh out. So he goes, we got to do something. And so what does he do? He puts taskmasters over them. He turns the nation of Israel into slaves and treats them horribly, horribly. And this is how it goes for much of the 400 years that the nation of Israel was in Egypt. But that's not all this Pharaoh did. He made an edict. And the one edict he made is found in Exodus chapter 1, verse 16. And he says this to the Hebrew midwives. He says, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stools, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. See, he, the Pharaoh, he doesn't just want to oppress the nation of Israel. He wants to obliterate it. He wants to get rid of it. And it's actually Satan working behind the scenes because if Satan can get Pharaoh to kill off the whole nation of Israel, then he doesn't have to worry about the promised Messiah coming through the Israel, right? We can talk about that later if you want. So he says to the Hebrew midwives, Whenever you go and help a Hebrew woman give birth, as soon as the child is born, if it is a male, kill it. If it's a girl, let her live. But if it's a male, just, just put him to death. Well, the Hebrew midwives, they don't really do this. And so they make up this thing and go, well, by the time we get there, the Hebrew women, they, their labor is not very long. This has nothing to do with the sermon, but it came across in my study. You know that one of the fastest births ever recorded is two minutes, lady? From the time labor started to when the baby was born, it was two minutes, right? I don't know if that's something you'd be grateful for her for. You know, why couldn't that happen to me, right? I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. But the Hebrew midwives go, by the time we get there, the baby is born. We can't do anything. So the Pharaoh makes another edict. Same chapter, chapter 1, verse 22. Then the Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Notice that. It's not to the Hebrew midwives. To all his people. To all the Egyptians. Every boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. But if you see a Hebrew woman, and she's pregnant, and all of a sudden she's not pregnant, that baby was a boy, grab the boy, throw him in the river. Now we read that and we go, that's horrible. And then we keep going. Uh-uh, you can't. You need to get this. You need to enter into what this looked like. Like enter into this world. And I know not all of you will enjoy this, but you, you need to do this. Imagine you just had a child. It's early morning and the child is hungry. What do newborns do when they're hungry? Cry. That was kind of weak. Like, moms, I thought you'd know that better, right? What do newborns do when they're hungry? Cry, right? Now, have you ever been around a newborn when they cry? Everybody hears the kid cry, right? So let's just say it's 6 o'clock in the morning. Kid wants to eat. You're getting up. The kid's crying. Your neighbor hears your kid crying. Huh. Wonder if that's a boy or a girl. 
So they get a friend or two, they come to your house, they kick your door down, they storm your house, they find out that your newborn is a boy, and they rip him out of your arms. And then they go to the Nile, throw him in. That's the culture. That's the atmosphere. That is what is going on. So imagine if you would, somebody coming into your home, taking your newborn out of your hands, walking to the Susquehanna, just going, you go, well, Pastor, they, they wouldn't do that. Yes, yes, they would. You want to know why? Because the Egyptians looked at Pharaoh as though he was a god. And everything that Pharaoh did, they had to do because they believed that Pharaoh was God. This was their culture. This was their mindset. So let me ask you something. Would you have children in that culture? Think about it. Would you have a child in that culture? Would you run the risk, if you would, of that baby being born to you to be a male? And remember, there's no 3D or 4D ultrasounds that you can go to and get a picture of the baby and know what you're having. This is as old school as old school as you get, right? There's no school before this, right? This is the oldest you get. So that's the culture. That is what the world is like. That is the edict. That is what is hanging over the head of Jacobet. And so we come to faith. And this is where we're going to see Jacobet. And if you don't mind, I'm going to read to you the first ten verses of Exodus chapter 2. Many of you will know this story, but we read this. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed a child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So we come to a very well-known area of Scripture, the birth of Moses. What we read there, that a man and a woman fall in love, they get married, and they have a son. And there's more to it, but Moses, I think Moses is the baby of the family, and so he doesn't tell about his other siblings because that's what the babies of the family do, right? Uh, so Moses' mom and dad are mentioned there. Now, Moses doesn't give us their name here in chapter 2, but he does so in chapter 6 of the book of Exodus. Moses' mom's name is Jochebed, or Jochebed, depending on how you want to pronounce it. And Moses' dad, his name is Amram, all right? So if you thought your name was bad, at least it's not Amram, okay? Those are his parents. We're also told this. Moses has an older sister. We find out later in the book of Exodus, her name is Miriam. Moses also has an older brother by about three years. And his name, as we find out later in the book of Exodus, is Aaron. Miriam and Aaron are older than Moses. Moses was not the firstborn child, okay? Moses is born into this culture that we just talked about. But his mom is able to hide him for three months. And then she has to put him into the Nile. And we're going to come back to that, don't worry. And so she makes an ark, kind of think of a wicker basket, and she waterproofs it, and she puts Moses in it, and she sets him upon the reeds of the Nile. And Miriam is standing there to see what would happen. I firmly believe that Jochebed had a plan in place about all of this, which hopefully I'll explain to you in a couple minutes. Well, guess what happens? Put Moses in the Nile. Pharaoh's daughter comes. And guess what happens? Go get that basket. I want to see what's in it. 
So the slave girl goes over, gets the basket, brings it open, and the Pharaoh's daughter opens it, and the baby starts to cry. Do you know what happens to a woman when a baby cries? For some reason, their heart is stirred, and they want to go towards the baby and help the baby. What do men do when they hear a baby cry? See ya, I'm gone, right? Women, like this even happens with my daughter, and she's not even 10. If a baby starts to cry, she says, let me get over there. I'm not even 10, but I'm sure I can fix things, right? Women are like that. It stirs their hearts. Men are like, yeah, I'm going like, to go kill something or something like that. That's how men are, right? And so the basket is brought to Pharaoh's daughter. She opens it up. It's a Hebrew baby. And he just so happens to start to cry at that point, And her heart is stirred. And she's like, oh, it's a baby. Now, here's my question. How does the daughter of the man who made the edict kill all the Hebrew baby boys come home with a Hebrew baby boy? Like, what do you do? It's not a puppy. Dad, you made an edict to kill all the Hebrew males. I found a Hebrew male in the Nile. I'm going to keep him. How is that able to be done? Well, I believe this plays a huge role in it. The Egyptians, one of the gods they worshipped was Osiris. Osiris they looked at as being the god of the Nile. He oversees the Nile. You know the ten plagues that happen in Exodus? Every one of them is God doing something against one of the gods that Egyptians worshipped. And so Pharaoh and Pharaoh's daughter most likely looked at a baby being found in the reeds in the Nile River was some type of gift, some type of blessing from Osiris, and that's probably why she kept the baby. But there's a problem. You have a baby, three months old, how do you feed him? You need a woman to nurse the baby. Well, it just so happens, Miriam, Moses' older sister, jumps out and goes, hey, do you want me to go get a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby? What woman do you think Miriam is going to go get to nurse Moses? Moses' mom, Jochebed. And so Pharaoh's daughter goes, you know what? That's a good plan. You go find a Hebrew woman, bring her back to me. And that's what she does. She runs home and goes, Mom, Pharaoh's daughter found the baby. She needs somebody to nurse the baby. Let's go. And so Jochebed and Miriam go to Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter, and moms, you'll love this, in verse 9 goes, you nurse the kid, take care of the kid, and I will pay you for it. Moms, wouldn't it be nice to be paid to be a mom, right? I came across in my study a few years back that if a mom was to be paid an hourly rate, the, I didn't come up with this number, so ladies, don't tell me that it's low, okay? So what I found, that a mom would be paid roughly $160,000 a year, right? Now, that is years ago, so with inflation, that's probably like $5 million, which would get you for like six months out of the year, right? One of those things. But moms, just thank you for all the hats you wear. Uh, moms wear a lot of hats. Thank you for trying to uh, model Jesus in your home. Thank you for the example of faith you set. Just thank you for all the, the hats you wear. It would be nice if you are be able to get paid. Like, you know what I mean, to like be a mom. Um, but thank you. And so Yochebed is now able to take care of her baby and she gets paid for it. The only downfall is when the time comes, probably when Moses is probably in the neighborhood of three to six years of age, Yochebed has to take him back to Pharaoh's daughter and he'll grow up to be her son instead of Yochebed. And in this, I want you to see Yochebed's faith. Moms, one of the greatest gifts you can give, one of the greatest traits you can model is not the number of followers you have online, or the family recipe for cake, or how to iron, which is a good thing. It's having and living with a faith in Jesus that is unmatched by the culture you live in. And that is true for all of us. The greatest gift, the greatest trait that we can have is having a faith in Jesus that is unmatched by the culture in which we live in. Because that's what we learn about Yochebed. See, there's a couple things about her faith that I want you to see. Yochebed's faith is seen in having a baby in this culture. Her faith is seen in having a baby. Think about that. 
either the edict was made before she became pregnant or the edict came out after she was pregnant. I've had women tell me that they do not want to bring a child into this world. It's crazy. It's horrible. I got that. I have four kids. Before Noah was born, I saw it and knew the lady put a newborn baby in the microwave and turned it on. I know it's crazy. I got you. Yokobed? She didn't care. She didn't care. She had faith. She's staring down the barrel of a death sentence for her baby. She, she didn't care. She knew that if her baby was a male, he was going to be put to death. And some people, they say that, well, that was unloving of her. Well, I say it was faith. Because for some, when they have this death sentence, if you will, on their baby, they don't have them. But my child will die if I have them. It could be from the culture, like it was Jochebed. Maybe something in the culture throughout this world today, because these things still happen. Maybe it had to do from a health standpoint. It's not an easy place to be in. I know it firsthand. Amy and I had three kids, knowing that each and every one of them could be born with a 100% fatal disease that would kill them. No chance for them. We had doctors tell us that, you know what, you could find out before you give birth if they have it. And if they have it, well, we could make arrangements so that you don't have the baby. Nope. Had faith. Because God has a plan and he has a purpose. See, Jochebed, she didn't care about the edict the king gave. Well, how do we know that? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 tells us this, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child, and they, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Don't care about the death sentence. Don't care about it. God wants me to have the kid. I'm going to have the kid. And I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to have my faith in him. I don't care what the king says. You see, a faith in God crushes the fear of the unknown, and you have to get that. A faith in God, it crushes everything. It trumps everything. I don't know what's going to happen. If I have a boy, he's going to die. But guess what? If God wants me to have a boy, then that's what I'm going to have. And he has a plan and a purpose for him. And so I'm going to trust God. They were not afraid because they knew God. And they had faith in him. Was it easy? Not at all. Faith is never easy. Having a faith in God is never easy. If your faith is easy, you're not stepping out in faith. Faith is never easy. I can tell you firsthand as you wait for months and months and months to find out what you're having, and then you get a boy, and then you wait for months and months and months and months for the test results to come back to tell you if your child has something that is killing them. I've been there. I know this firsthand. It's not easy. Faith is not easy. That's why it's called faith. And Jochebed, she shows us that faith in God means giving it all over to God. All of it. But it's not just that she gives faith in having a baby in this culture. Because here's what happens. She has baby Moses, and we're told, actually, this is great. I find this amazing. Who wrote the book of Exodus? Moses. Good. Right? What does Moses say about himself? Right? In verse 2, it says that he was a fine child or a beautiful child. Right? I love this because Moses told the whole world that he was a beautiful child. Does he tell us about anything about his older siblings? No. Not at all. And so like years later, I wish I could do this. Right? Him and his brother and sister sitting around having a glass of tea. And Moses goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a book that's going to be eternal because God's going to have me do that. And I'm going to tell everybody I was a beautiful child and not mention you. I find that hilarious because that's what the baby of the family does. And I think Moses was the baby of the family. But anyways, right? There was something about Moses. We're even told this in, in Hebrews. They saw he was no ordinary child. Exodus chapter 2, verse 2 tells us the same thing. Jochebed saw something. 
right? Fine, beautiful, special, favor. Same Hebrew word, all those different meanings. We don't know what this is. There are legends out there that Moses glowed. Like, mm, some that he never cried. Like, there are legends that there is something about him that Jochebed looked at him and said, you know what? There's something about him. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a mother's intuition. I don't know if he glowed. I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. What we do know is Jochebed just knew that God was going to do something. We don't know what that is, but there was something. And so in verse 2, we're told that she hid Moses for three months. Jochebed had faith in having Moses, but she also showed her faith in hiding him for three months. When she hid him for three months, it was an act of faith. You want to know why? Because while hiding him, she put the life of everybody else in her family on the line. Moms, I have a question for you. How do you hide a newborn baby for three months? How do you hide them? Think about it. I've had four kids. You might know that. There was no hiding them. None. Josiah cried every, 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 every day. He's actually grounded when he gets his license, right? I grounded him when uh, he was like seven months old, right? He cried every day from three o'clock in the afternoon until nine o'clock at night. Every day. Eli, I'm surprised the cops didn't show up at our house because that kid was horrible. It was because of his skin and, and the eczema and everything. It was like horrible, right? It, it's bad, right? Bad. They're, I'm like, how do you hide a newborn for three months? She found a way. Now, if there was some trick to get a newborn to be quiet, that would stop being handed down from generation to generation. I'm going to find somebody and talk to them in heaven and ask them what the deal was about that. We don't know how she did it, but we know she did it. Why'd she do it? And babies are worth protecting. A mom will do things to protect her child, will she not? Now get this, a mom will do things to protect her child that she won't do to protect her husband. Even though, biblically speaking, a wife's greatest relationship after Jesus is with her spouse. Kids come next. A bear is coming after you, moms. Who, what are you going to do? Get the kids! What about the husband? Who cares? Right? Dad's out in the yard playing with the kids. Lunchtime, everybody comes in. Plates on the table. Everybody has lunch. And dad goes, where's mine? You can get your own, right? Moms will do things for kids that they won't do for their husband. It's just how it is, right? Yochebed shows us that a faith that is marked by, you know what? God wants me to do this. This was not easy. It was incredibly hard. But her faith is marked by going, you know what, God wants me to do this, and I have no idea how I'm going to do it. I know it's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable. It may even cost me my life, but I trust the, the Lord. And because I trust Him, I'm going to step out in faith and give it all to Him and let Him work it out. Faith means giving everything to God. She showed her faith in the Lord by having the baby. She showed her faith in the Lord by hiding the baby for three months, going through that pain, that torture, that uncomfortableness of trying to hide the kids so nobody in the family was put to death. That's faith. Because she gave it to God. God, I don't know. Don't know. But I give it to you. But this is not all the faith we see in her. Jochebed has Moses. Then she hides Moses for three months. And then later she releases Moses. Jochebed's faith is seen in her releasing. She released Moses. She makes a waterproof ark and puts Moses into it. And then she puts him into the Nile. Now, I personally think that Jochebed knew Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter's schedule. Because this coming down to the Nile wasn't just taking your daily shower. It was actually part of the worship, what you needed to do to worship Osiris, the god of the Nile. And so she was probably on some type of schedule. 
that maybe every Monday or every Wednesday or every Tuesday and Thursday, whatever the case may be. And I think Yochebed, she figured that out because that's what moms do. They figure things out, right? I tell my kids all the time, your mother and I will figure things out. Just get that through your mind right now. I think Yochebed figured this out. Because you know what? Instead of somebody coming into my house, ripping my kid out of my arm and throwing him in the Nile, I'm going to make a waterproof basket. I know her schedule. And so I'm going to put Moses into the river, following the king's edict, but I'm going to put it in the reeds when I know she's going to come down to the water in a couple minutes so that she sees the basket. And it worked. You see, her faith did something. Faith does not mean we sit around and do nothing. James tells us in the New Testament that faith without actions is dead, or faith without works is dead. Yochebed, she trusted God. She had faith in God, and so she acted in light of her faith. She had faith to release her baby into the river. Moms, would you do that? Here's one for you. Dads, would you do that? Well, let me ask anybody. Even if it's not your child, would you release them into the river? You pick up, somebody drops your, your kid off for you to babysit, are you going to just put them in the Nile in the Susquehanna River? You don't do that. It takes faith in releasing your child, doesn't it? Some of you are there. Some of you have released your kids off into the world. They're older, they're doing all these things. It's hard, it's a struggle. Amy and I are not there yet, but to some degree, we've already had to do this with Noah. We had to release him. There's nothing we can do. Everything is outside of our control. Can't do anything. And there's a faith to that. What's going to happen to them? Are they going to be okay? What are they going to do? It takes faith to go, okay. Time for you to leave. I'm not saying it was easy for her. I think she was crying. But faith isn't easy. She had a faith in God, Yochebed did. And her faith was this. If God wants to do something, then he will do it. If it's God's plan, if it's God's will, then he'll do it. She had a faith in the Lord that he would work his plan and his purpose out for her child. Moms, dads, do you? Do you have a faith in the Lord? That no matter what you have to do, that is God honoring, that you'll step out in faith and go, you know what, Lord? They're yours. My kids are not mine. My kids are not Amy. God. Belong to him. He gave them to us. And faith means you're going to step out in actions. You know what, God, you want me to do this? So I'm not just going to sit back. I'm going to do it. That's what faith means. Faith means giving everything to God. But I think there's one more aspect of Yochebed's faith. I was thinking about her and Moses. You know Moses did nothing for the first 80 years of his life? Like, he did stuff, don't get me wrong. But he didn't really do anything that we're like, hey, Moses did that. Some of you may not know this, but Moses, for the first 40 years of his life, grew up in Egypt. Many scholars believe that Moses would have been the next pharaoh of Egypt. Because a lot of historians believe that the the Pharaoh that gave the edict in chapter 1 never had any biological sons. He only had biological daughters. And that Moses would have been the next Pharaoh of Egypt. But within the, sometime in the first 40 years of Moses' life, a switch went off in his head. He goes, I'm, he, I'm a Hebrew, and I'm going to side with the Hebrews. And so he kind of left the Egyptian side of things. And so what happens? He kills somebody. And so what does Moses do when he kills somebody? He flees Egypt. He runs off into the middle of nowhere when he's roughly 40. You know what he does for the next 40 years? He shepherds animals. That's what he does. So when Moses meets God at the burning bush, you want to know how old he is? 80. 80. I'm not leading. A, I'm not going through the desert when I'm 80. 
I hope not, all right? I don't want to do that when I'm 40. But God called Moses when he was 80 to go back to the nation of Israel, lead them out of Egypt, lead them through the wilderness for 40 years. He's 100 and leading 3 million people through the wilderness. And you think what God is asking you to do is hard, right? Just put that in the context. Here's my question. Did Jochebed ever see what God did in Moses' life? Do you think Jochebed lived to when her youngest son was 80 years old? Think about that. I don't think so. I don't think she lived to be that old when Moses was 80. I don't think she got to see what God was going to do in his life. She didn't get to see him get called by God. She didn't get to see God use him mightily. Jochebed, she prayed for and had a feeling there was something about Moses, but I don't know if she ever saw it come to pass. I could be wrong. Jochebed had faith in the unknown. She had faith in the unknown. What I mean by that is this. She never got to see what God did in the life of her son, but she still trusted the Lord. As moms, as dads, just as people, we want to see God work in the life of somebody. You may never get to see that work done. You may never ever get to see God do that work in the life of somebody. But that doesn't mean God won't do that work in their life. And so you need to have faith. For the next 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years. Because that's how long it took for Moses. That God is going to work in their life. Moses left his mom when he was 40. I don't even know if they even kept in touch ever again. I don't know if Moses ever saw his mom after that. Faith in God means giving him everything. Even when you don't know what that will be. Faith. Jochebed gave everything she had to Moses. She gave everything for Moses. That's what moms do, don't they? The Jochebed, she didn't just do it because of her love for her child. She did it because of her faith and her love in the Lord. Faith in God is giving him everything. But why? Well, two quick things I just want to lay at your feet for you to ponder. And that's where we come to the carpenter. The reason you should give everything over to God is because in Christ, he's given you everything. He's given you everything. Two verses. Ephesians 1, 3, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2 Peter 1, 3. Paul says in Ephesians, Praise be to the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then Peter tells us, you've heard this verse before, because he is, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us typo by his own glory and goodness. See, you hold on to things that you won't surrender to God. You hold on to them. Because you hold on to it, you hold on to them, because you think if you give it over to the Lord, then you're going to miss out. That if you give them to the Lord, if you give it to the Lord, you're going to lose. That's not the case. Because in Christ, God has given you everything. He has given himself to you. And it is when we give everything over to the Lord, Jesus becomes more and more to us. As we give more over to the Lord, the Lord, this is yours and this is yours and this is yours, Christ becomes more to us. He becomes more real to us. He becomes more of a reality in our life. We see more and more of who God is and what we have in God and who we are in Christ. We go, why? Why give my pain? I told you, faith is God giving God everything. So why do we give God our pain? Why do we give God our sin? Why do we give God our hurt? Why do we give God our kids? Why do we give God our marriages? Why do we give God our home? Why do we give God our idols and our addictions and our time and our schedules? 
Why do we give God absolutely everything? Why should you give it up and over to Christ? Do you know that I love that Jesus came as a carpenter? One of the facts about Jesus I love. You know why I love it? Carpenters can fix things. Carpenters can make things. Carpenters can redeem things. My grandfather took me into his basement one year. He had an old piece of countertop. He had a broom and some rubber bands. As a child of the 80s, I liked wrestling. So I had wrestling. But I had no wrestling ring. So my grandfather, he took the countertop piece and he cut that. Then he took the green broom, he cut that, and then he took rubber bands and he screwed the broom onto the countertop in the four corners. And then he put rubber bands around it, the big rubber bands, not the little ones, but the big ones. Those of you that know what a newspaper is, you know what I'm talking about. And he gave me a wrestling ring. I still have that wrestling ring. It may be at my mother's house, but I still have it. He took broken things. He took things that were left over, things that you didn't really know what you're going to use for, and he took them, and he redeemed them. He made something out of them. Jesus fixes things. See, when you step out in faith, like Yochebed, and give everything over to Jesus, Jesus takes the little things. He takes the broken things. He takes the dead things. He takes the pain and the shame and the guilt and the hurt and he uses it. And then Jesus fixes things. And then Jesus redeems things. And then Jesus brings life out of death. Jesus does a work in you and through you that glorifies him and benefits you. That is what Jesus does when we step out in faith and give him everything. Because in Christ, we've been given everything. Moms, I thank you so much for what you do. We learn a lot from you, like we do at Yochebed. She gave everything over to the Lord. So let me ask you, what do you need to give over to Jesus? If you know what it is, stop holding on to it. It's not working. Surrender it and give it to Jesus and allow him to work in it and through it. Because that's what he does. But you have to step out in faith to do it. So what do you need to give, give to Jesus so you can stand firmer in your faith? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today, and I thank you for moms. I thank you for the example that they give to us, and Lord, we thank you for Yochebed. She was not perfect, but she gives us a great example of faith. I pray that you'd help us to have a faith, Lord. Not where we just say we believe in you, but a faith where we, where we give everything over to you. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd help us to surrender those things in our lives that we're holding on to. Help us to hand them over and give them to you, Jesus, for you to work for you to redeem, for you to use. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.